The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. Good morning. Uh, my name is Albert. Uh, it's an honor to be with you this morning. Um, I, like Ellis said, am one of the elders here, and uh, I totally agree. We have an exciting month of August ahead of us, and um, I have the privilege of starting a new series for us this morning um, called Together in Agreement. And so uh, for the next five weeks, our elders will be sharing from their hearts um, as we move towards our annual time of commitment, um, which we call Covenant, um, that we do every September, where we commit to one another to spend the next year chasing after God, um, managing our eternal perspective, working through self-denial, and publicly identifying with Christ. And so um, as we do that, and as uh, we learn from each other and hear from our elders um, over the next month, we hope um, that we can grow in our understanding of what it means uh, to covenant with one another and um, ultimately move forward together in agreement. Okay, so I'm going to ask E.K. to come up and read for us this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Romans, but I'm going to let her explain all that because I, I stole her thunder last time. Good morning. Uh, we're reading from Romans 12, 1 through 18, and that can be found on page 1137 in the Bibles. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is given, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. May God bless the reading of the word. 
Thank you, Ike. All right, there's a lot here, and uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, not talk forever. Um, but uh, Paul, here in this small section of what we call the Book of Romans, which was his letter to uh, the church in Rome, um, is <clears throat> doing his best uh, to communicate to a body of believers much like us um, and connect points of Jesus' teaching to the realities that they were facing. And so this morning, I hope that uh, as we walk through this, I'm not going to be able to cover all of it. It's way too much. There's, there's a ton going on here. Um, but hopefully what we can do is cover enough that as we walk away from here, our hearts are stirred and we desire to study it more um, and together, right? So um, I believe that in this passage, Paul is trying to communicate to us that we collectively are interdependent by design. Interdependent by design. It's a really big word and it's a really complicated concept in some ways, but in other ways it's really simple. Uh, You might also use the word togetherness. We are designed for togetherness. And as a church, we believe that the only way we're going to get it right is when we live in agreement with one another. There are a lot of cultural and personal boundaries and barriers that we face to togetherness, especially today. Now, I don't think that uh, is a uniquely modern or even American problem. Um, Clearly, Paul is teaching a group of believers thousands of years ago something that we're still dealing with today. But I will say, culturally, the American culture in particular gets this really wrong. Really wrong. We champion self-sufficiency. And friends, I want to make it very adamantly clear this morning. Self-sufficiency is a myth. And it's a lie. And we have to be different. Because ultimately, our nation and this world is desperate for a group of people that understand the reality that we are all connected And we are all dependent on each other whether we want to be or not. And this lie of self-sufficiency, that false truth that we are strong enough, we can do it on our own, the American dream in a lot of ways, is crippling us from being what God designed us to be. So I'm going to put a few variations of this myth up on the screen this morning And what I want us to do is just kind of sit with them. And I want you to ask yourself, how many of these have you heard before? How many do you believe? How many have you said or thought? Or how many have you used as reasoning or justification for your actions? To each their own. I'm going to live my truth. 
I'll do what's best for me. Whatever makes you happy, you do you. You or I have a right to your own preferences. Make your own luck. It's every man for himself. All of these are connected to the myth of self-sufficiency. But why are they wrong? And why are they contrary to what God is trying to teach us and how he designed us? And for that, I'd like to jump out of Romans for a little bit and quickly cover some evidence uh, that I believe makes a very strong case for the reality that God designed creation for interdependence. And the strongest and most compelling argument for that, to me, is found in the Trinity. For those of you that don't have a, a church background, the Trinity is... God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the doctrine of the Trinity holds that God exists as three persons, or hypostases, but one being, having a single divine nature. The members of the Trinity are co-equal, co-eternal, one in essence, nature, power, action, and will. The Father is uncreated, the Son is uncreated, and the Holy Spirit is uncreated. All three are eternal and without beginning. They are not names for different parts of God, but one name for one God. They cannot be separate from each other, but each person is understood as having the identical essence or nature not merely similar, similar natures. And this harmony, this unity in the Trinity, is by definition interdependent. And you can see echoes of it in creation as well. You see, in creation, there are thousands of ways that God's Creation is interdependent. On an elemental level, you have things like light from the sun, you have oxygen and carbon dioxide, you have water and you have nutrients, and all of those things play into cycles that are interdependent on each other. In the ecosystems of this world, you see climates, you see vegetation, you see moisture, and all of these things that play off of each other. They are interdependent. For example, plants need water. They need carbon dioxide. They produce, carbon, uh, produce oxygen that we breathe that allows us to function. Or fruit-bearing plants that make things like apples and other berries... They're dependent on other creatures or on the wind to pollinate them in order to produce fruit. They can't do it on their own. 
They are dependent on outside forces that are also dependent on them in order to do their purpose. And we can even see the opposite of that in ecosystems where species are eliminated. And with the elimination of a species, some ecosystems collapse. Or with the introduction of an invasive species, an ecosystem is forever altered. God designed creation to be interdependent on purpose, and humans are not an exception. If we look in the book of Genesis at the creation story, we see in chapter 1, verses 27, that it says God created mankind in his own image. Now, to me, there's a lot that can go off of that. But specifically speaking to the interdependence of the Trinity, it shouldn't be a surprise to us if we're made in God's image and God, Father, Son, and Spirit, is interdependent, then it's probably likely that we have that same need authored in us. And it goes on from there, after talking about the creation story in chapter 1, um, to giving a little more detailed account of Adam's creation in chapter 2. And in verse 18 it says, um, God says, it is not good for the man to be alone, speaking of Adam, I will make a suitable, suitable helper for him. So God, at that point, forms the animals and the birds, and he calls them good, and he brings them before Adam, and they name them, and this cool little, you know, um, Lion King moment is happening, right? But after all of that, God says, ah, it's still not there. And even though this is good, there still wasn't a suitable, interdependent peace for Adam. And so he puts Adam to sleep, and he forms Eve. And after Eve is created, God sits back, and for the first time, he says, everything is very good. There's a shift because that peace of man that is made in God's image is finally complete. Man, humans, we now have each other as well as our connection to God. So our triangle is complete like the Trinity. I believe that Paul is connecting all of this in Romans chapter 12. He wants his reader to understand and embrace this idea of interdependence because it is crucial to living the life God intended for us. We are not separate. And we are not self-sufficient. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Castaway, um, but it's a really, really intriguing depiction of what our attempts to be self-sufficient really look like. We go crazy, and we start talking to beach bar volleyballs. 
Because in that movie, Tom Hanks' character is empty because he's alone. And that's not how we were designed. So in this, in this chapter, and in, in back into Romans chapter 12, Paul uses an analogy of a body. Um, and for those of you that have been around for a while, you know this is one of my favorite, uh, well, this particular analogy is repeated several times. Um, I love this idea. One body with many parts, each having its own purpose, each responsible to do something vitally important for the life of the body as a whole. We have systems in our body that are dependent on each other. Our lungs take in breath and they filter out oxygen out of the air and they work it into our blood that the heart then takes and pumps and delivers that blood all over our body to deliver oxygen and nutrients that our digestive system have filtered out of our food so that we can walk, so that we can lift, so that we can see, so that we can think. None of those things are possible on their own. The lungs don't function without the heart or without nutrients. Our heart can't function without oxygen. Interdependence is authored into the very fabric of our beings. And family, I believe that if we can learn to celebrate each other, like if our heart could talk, it has to be celebrating our lungs. Thank you for doing your job. You brought me oxygen. I needed it. But instead because we've bought into the myth of self-sufficiency. We compete with each other. We get mad that we don't get to make oxygen. And we pout. And we attack each other. And we're disappointed and we get mad at God. God, why did you make me like this? I don't want to be this, I want to be that. I want to play the guitar. I want to sing. I wish my whole life that God would give me a little better administrative skills. Uh, It sounds like a weird thing, but uh, as I've become an adult, uh, I have learned how valuable that is. And I tell you one thing, because of some changes in my work, because I've had to do a lot more administrative stuff, my appreciation for people that can like read Excel spreadsheets <laughs> and balance budgets, you know, and profit and loss and all of these crazy things, uh, you are valuable pieces of the kingdom. If all you do is sit behind a computer and move numbers around. But family, we've got to learn Two things that are connected to that interdependence. One, thank you, God, that you made me uniquely me. 
And if you can't say that this morning, I'm sorry. But I believe God made you on purpose. And I believe that purpose has incredible value for the kingdom of heaven and for the people sitting right next to you, for each other. You were made with the purpose. And if you don't believe that, you've got to find it. That's part one. We've got to believe that God made us on purpose and we've got to thank him for it. Part two, we've got to believe that God made each other on purpose and we've got to thank him for it. We should celebrate our differences because they make us stronger. I shouldn't have to do everything it's okay to just be one piece of the body. Friends, we spend far too much effort and energy fighting to be what we're not supposed to be. And when we do that, we cripple ourselves, we steal from each other because we don't allow our other brothers and sisters to do what they were made to do. And we are not capable of doing as much as we could if we embraced our purpose and celebrated others. We are interdependent by design. It is not a mistake that you were made the way you are. It is not a mistake that you have the limitations that you have. It is not a mistake. And if you believe you are a mistake this morning, I am here to tell you, God does not make mistakes. You are not a mistake. God authored you for a purpose. And that purpose serves more than just yourselves. It serves all of us. And in the grand scheme of things, it brings honor and glory to the Most High God because it serves the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So in this passage, Paul starts talking about some of those things and he lists a few um, gifts and ways that God has authored us and made us uniquely uh, purposeful for this earth. And here in Romans, he mentions prophecy, which is hearing from the Lord and delivering a message to other people. He mentions serving, he mentions teaching, he mentions exhortation or encouragement, he mentions giving, he mentions leadership, he mentions mercy. In other places, in other letters to the early church, um, Paul and the other uh, church leaders, in their lists, include things like faith, or discernment, or helps, or administration, or hospitality, or intercession, or healing, or interpretation or evangelism. Now, all of those things, unfortunately, sometimes have definitions that I don't necessarily believe God intended for them to have, and we don't have time to cover them all. But family, I want you to know, each and every person in this room was authored for a purpose. It might be on this list. That's a pretty exclusive, extensive list, so pretty confident 
that you can find yourself somewhere in one of these words. Now, you might be hiding it or denying it, and it might look a little different than you think it, it, it does. Evangelism is one that I think is often misunderstood. I think of some of my friends that every time they go to a restaurant and they get a really good meal, that's all you hear about for a week. That's the gift of evangelism. I'm not joking. There's a reason they were authored that way. Because it has a purpose. And in their hearts, they want their friends, they want the people they care about to experience a joy they just had. Why aren't we that way about Jesus? Why aren't we that way about our time on Sunday mornings with our family members? Because we walk in and we're blessed and we're changed and we're healed. It's the same thing, right? But sometimes we get so caught up in our heads, we see these big heavy words in church or hear them. We don't connect dots. But each and every one of us has a value and a purpose for this kingdom and family. If we can learn to embrace that and we can learn to celebrate it in one another, God has mighty and miraculous plans for us. These gifts are intended for us to build each other up, to support each other, they are love in action. But they only work in one way. We have to embrace the truth that we are bound together and interdependent. We have to lay down the myth of self-sufficiency. We have to be, as it says in chapter 12, starting in verse 10, devoted to one another in love. We have to honor one another above ourselves. We have to chase after it zealously, keeping our spiritual further. We have to be joyful in hope. We have to be patient in affliction. We have to be faithful in prayer. We have to share with one another when we have needs. We have to ask for help when we have needs. We have to practice hospitality. We have to bless one another, both the people we care about and the people that persecute us. We have to rejoice when others are rejoicing. We have to mourn when others mourn. We have to live in harmony in, with each other, not being proud, but being willing to, to be associated with everyone, whether they're of high position or low position. We have to avoid being conceited we have to avoid paying people back what they deserve. We have to live in harmony with one another. And when we don't, it's as silly as when one hand says, I don't need you, and starts attacking the body. It's ridiculousness, but we do it every day because we push each other away and we fight with each other and we get jealous of each other and we get angry with each other and we don't forgive and we're not patient. But we're connected and we're interdependent whether we want to be or not. So I want to conclude with um, 
a quote from A.W. Tozer from his book, The Pursuit of God. Um, and in it, he says, uh, I think we're going to have it on screen, maybe. Yeah, okay. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are not of one accord by being tuned to each other. They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each must individually bow. So, like 100 pianos, 100 worshipers, meeting together, each looking away to Christ, maintaining an eternal perspective, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Family, I want to conclude with this. Because unfortunately, the evil one is really good at taking good things like unity and distracting us with them. And so even in our pursuit to recognize and to acknowledge our interdependence, if we take our eyes off of God and we shift from an eternal perspective to being focused on a good thing, we'll still mess it up. That's what Tozer is saying here. So this morning, as we continue forward as a family, as we press into this series together in agreement as we start to process this truth and as hopefully we revisit this passage and the dozen or so others that connect to it. I hope that first and foremost, you can embrace who you are. God sees you as his beloved as his child, made on purpose without mistake, with great value. And God sees us collectively as his bride, something he wants to celebrate, to experience life and joy with, to explore, to share, So as we go from here this morning, I don't know where you stand on that spectrum. I don't even know if you believe in God. I hope that if you don't, something I've said this morning rings true. And I hope that there's someone else here that you trust enough to ask to give you some more explanation. If there's not, come find me. I'd be happy to share with you the little bit I know. But knowledge isn't what's important. We don't have to understand it all. We just have to embrace that the Most High God does. And he calls us his children, and he has bound us together.